BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are out of runway. What? Where? Huh? Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I want to agree with absolutely everything you say, but I need a little more context to understand that. So what's the runway we're out of? Hey, your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, <laughs> June 22nd is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Like a rap. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory. S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, June 22nd, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Legends <laughs> and Ben. Oh, no, the cost. Mike Novak and legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Elvis is not the King Wednesday, and here's why. By the way, what was Lori Lightfoot talking about with the runway? You're I have on no a clue. runway, dude. I have no clue. <laughs> okay. Looks, <laughs> looks like it was from February 11th, 2021. So whatever was going on at that time. You know, it's always like, it's like a flashback. Whenever I hear Lori Lightfoot chastising someone, I... I, I flashback to when I was a kid and I did something wrong and somebody was giving me grief. That's it. No more runway. I, I, please. <laughs> I want more runway. Anyway, I, 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 you know, folks, I was all set to talk about Michael Scott, uh, the departing alderman of the 24th ward uh, in Chicago, uh, leaving to take a job with still like a year left in his tenure. Like, what is that all about? All right. He just like walked away from being the alderman. That's it. I'm through. I'm out of here. See ya. Uh, and then the city council today apparently approved uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's uh, replacement who uh, to uh, sorry, proposed replacement, uh, which be um, Monique Scott, uh, his uh sister and so now they're calling nepotism and i just hide to laugh nothing ever changes in the city of chicago nothing ever changes uh in the city of chicago they are right there the alderman who's sitting michael scott decides to leave he's still got about a year left on his term oh, i'm out of here see ya <laughs> why when you ran you didn't see it was a four-year term people voted you four-year term he leaves office gets a nice paying job somewhere else and then turns it over to his sister Listen, everybody's saying she's the most qualified. She's super qualified. Okay, let her run in next time. 
what a weird city we live in. Nothing ever changes. Uh, Monroe Anderson is with me. We're so fired up to talk January 6th. We're so fired up uh, to talk insurrection news. Uh, the Republicans have lost their mind. Uh, the legendary Mike Novak will be joining us in about a half an hour. Uh, environmentalist, podcaster, radio show host, Mike Novak. He's going to join in our conversation about how the Republicans have lost their mind. And he's also going to give us some updates on environmental news. But Monroe, total curveball I'm throwing at you. You have no preparation for this. Folks, I love when I do this to Monroe. I love when I do this to guests in general. So right before I went on air, I was on Instagram. Yeah, I'm like a millennial when it comes to Instagram, Monroe. I can't stay off. And I found this old clip somebody posted. Uh, it, and it, obviously they posted it because there's a new movie coming out about Elvis Presley. It's getting everybody's rave review. Oh, my God, you got to run to see this movie. Uh, and it's an excerpt of an interview that Bob Costas did with uh, Ray Charles. And the interview begins. You can tell Bob Costas really has great reverence for Elvis. You know, Elvis is the king. Bob Costas loves Elvis, okay? Uh, and uh, so he he throws this question out to Ray Charles, which is less a question and a statement, like Elvis is the king. And then Ray Charles, uh, Monroe, he's like, just shakes his head. And Bob Costas is like, uh-oh, where are we going here? And I got to give him credit. He's quick on his feet. And he follows up, like, you don't think Elvis is the king? You don't think Elvis is the greatest? And Ray Charles hems and haws and smiles and says he's going to lose about a third of his fans. And then he says, Monroe, Elvis was no king. Elvis was a punk. You hear me, Monroe Anderson? Ray Charles called Elvis Presley a punk and said he stole all his music from black people. He stole his dancing from black people and all these great black people. And Monroe, I have a confession to make. When Ray Charles said that, I was nodding my head. goes, it's true. It's true. Now, Monroe, you know. Yes. I defend Larry Joe Bird. All in the 80s, black people would be telling me there's 10 guys in the hood as good as Larry Joe Bird. I go, no, they're not. They're not 10 guys anywhere as good as Larry. He's one of the greatest. But Elvis is another story. Elvis is like an ordinary talent, in my humble opinion, who was elevated to fame and fortune because he was the white guy at the white time, if you know what I mean, Monroe Anderson. Yeah, right. Feel free to vigorously disagree with me and defend Elvis Presley. Go. <laughs> defend Elvis Presley. <laughs> when I was 13 years old, I liked Elvis. And my neighbors made fun of me. <laughs> I, and I grew up in a, a segregated community, mind you. Yes. And the kids who were my age made fun of me for liking Elvis. Okay. And so I didn't like Elvis anymore. Wow. <laughs> and in, and the interesting thing is in the movie, they make it a point to discuss how much Elvis was influenced by black entertainers. Oh, they do? I got to give credit yeah. for you. you seen the movie already? No, I've seen Entertainment Tonight. Oh. <laughs> and and, and um, okay. Dean, uh, Dean Richards on uh, WGN. Okay. And, 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 and um, oh, yeah, I think it was on CBS Sunday Morning. They Man. did something about the movie. Okay. And so, they talked about how wonderful Tom Hanks was, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's the manager. And this, by the way, is the most interesting guy, in my opinion, involved with Elvis was that manager. What a hustler he was. What an operator right. he was. 
Colonel uh, Tom Parker. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, by the way, Monroe, I don't know if you remember this, but at one point uh, we had a conversation about uh, people in Kentucky calling themselves Colonel, and I decided that from now on you and I would be Colonels. Do you remember that conversation? So you were Colonel no, Monroe? No. I would remember if I was, I was going to be made a Colonel. Especially Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were Colonel Monroe, and I was. Colonel. I had that discussion with Sergio. <laughs> I, I got to bring Sergio on and talk Elvis with him. I'd love to get his thoughts on it. Anyway, I listen. I'm not hating on Elvis. Uh, there's a lot of Elvis songs I like, but you know, Ray Charles is absolutely correct. And <laughs> let's just call it for what it is. And no, he wasn't. No, the women, the women in Hollywood, talked about how. What a great disappointment he was to them. You know, okay. basically what Elvis was was a was a hillbilly who who made it big. And you know, so all 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 the Elvisy things really are nouveau riche um hillbilly stuff. That was supposed to became stylish. Yeah. Listen, I understand where Ray Charles is coming from a hundred percent. I'm just saying if Elvis had covered one of Ray Charles songs, he would have made a few extra million dollars for Ray right. Charles. He may be singing a different song about his good friend, Elvis. I'm just saying Monroe. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's like when the blues brothers covered um, Sam and Dave uh, soul man turned yeah. into a big hit. Yeah. And they were like, I got no problem with that. The money's flowing in. So Life's unfair. You notice uh, white people get credit for stuff that black people were doing 100 years before. You know that, right? Yeah. Share the wealth, right? That's Wouldn't that be fair, Monroe? I mean, I don't know. At some point, don't you think fair is fair? Uh, I, it's, it's, it's always tilted towards the white man. <laughs> That's what's fair. You know, the white man is the standard, and anything else is tilted in his favor. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that. just coincidentally, I saw this Family Guy bit, and we're going to get to the news of the day uh, from an old team, the old Family Guy's episode, I forget when, back in the day, 12 or 13 years ago, and it showed a bunch of people lined up for a race, uh, and uh, it was just, uh, there were about uh, three black people runners and two white runners and the starter uh, puts his pistol in the air and he goes uh white people go and he shoots the gun <laughs> and the white people get the get the start before the black guys and then he goes everybody else <laughs> and it kind of brought home a point like yeah right <laughs> that's pretty good you got to go to a cartoon i wonder uh they should show that to bob Costas. all right uh Anyway, it stirred me up. I'm going to do a whole show on Elvis. I think uh, get Sergio wins on. All right. Well, um, after the movie comes out, you, you you can do Elvis. Yeah. No. I'll, I'll. I mean, I will go watch the movie again. I'm not hating on Elvis. I love a lot of Elvis's songs, uh, and uh, I enjoy the mystique of Elvis and his, sort of like his cultural uh, persona. I'm fascinated by Tom Parker, and. Um, uh, and that visit Elvis made to Richard Nixon, I could talk about that endlessly. I don't know if you follow that. There was a whole movie made about that, Monroe, when yeah, he, uh, Elvis went to the White House and met yeah, with Nixon. I think I saw it. Oh, that is so trippy. It's such a weird moment in American history. Uh, and um, But uh, I'm with Ray Charles on that basic point. I mean, it just turned a raw talent. Elvis is, let's put it this way, Monroe, Elvis is no Larry Joe Bird. And I just ended right there. Um, uh, hey. And he's no Michael Jackson. 
Oh, Mike. Well, <laughs> you know what? The guy out of Gary had to bring it back to Gary, Indiana. <laughs> uh, I still, I confession to make, I was listening to um, uh, Off the Wall just the other day. Uh, yep, I went back into the vault and took out Off the Wall, which came out, I want to say, in 1979. All right, Monroe, let's get down to it. Um, so okay, much. Let me tell you one, one quick thing. Go. Uh, I was in Portugal mm-hmm. and in, in, in a house in the suburbs. And uh, I went into town and saw a newsstand. And, and Time Magazine had on its cover... Big headline, the king is dead. And I was trying to figure out which king it was. <laughs> yeah, because I'm in a foreign country, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking king of Portugal somewhere. I don't know. It was Elvis. <laughs> See, that that is, uh, okay, now, that is was Ray Charles' point. Right. He took strong exception to Elvis being called the king right. when he had stolen or copied whatever freak appropriate, whatever word you want to use music of other people. They should be the king. Right. You know, Jackie Wilson should be the king. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, when, by the way, I'm not kidding. When you said the king is dead, I thought my first thought, was that uh, it had to, you were in Portugal in 2009 and you saw a headline dealing with the King of Pop, which is what uh, Michael Jackson's nickname was. I thought you were talking about when Michael Jackson died, the King of Pop. Yeah. Uh, that was his nickname. And, yeah, no, no, I was not talking. Yeah, you know, right, this talking is 77. The King of Pop died in 2009. That is correct, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know it was 77 uh, that you were in Portugal. I didn't... Yeah. I didn't even know you in 1977. Right. Uh, did not meet you until a few years later. All right. Uh, let's let's get down to business. Uh, let's talk about the January 6th insurrection, uh, congressional hearings. I know you've been uh, obsessively watching them. Uh, I, uh, I can't watch them in real time because I'm doing the show, but every night uh, after the show, I watch through it, uh, the, the highlights, and... Um, Monroe, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in my lifetime, the stakes have never been higher uh, for an election and a series of elections. Democracy is at stake, as we know it. This is clearly, clearly an attempt by Donald Trump uh, to intimidate, to muscle Republicans throughout the country on the state level in Georgia. And and his... accomplices and enablers. Yes, but led by Donnie Trump. Let's just talk about who the king of this one was. It was Donald John Trump. Let's not get they. Yeah, he had his yes men uh, to try to get. uh, They were trying to uh, strong arm Republican legislators throughout the country uh, and uh, election officials throughout the country, Georgia, uh, Michigan, uh, Arizona, uh, to throw out the votes that Joe Biden got uh, with um, fault phony, fraudulent claims of cheating uh, and deliver electors who would uh, elect Donald Trump, reelect Donald Trump as president. Uh, And thankfully, uh, we found a few Republicans in this country willing to say no to Donnie Trump. Uh, Man, it's I find it frightening. Your general thoughts on what uh, has been you've been learning from these hearings. There is a 
fascist movement going on at home and abroad where um, strong men are trying to run the world. Putin is one. Uh, you have the um, president of um, Turkey, I think, mm-hmm. who's working his way. We, we have a, a, um, God, uh, I'm blanking on his name. In, 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 um, in Nicaragua, I think. Mm. Um, anyway, it's going on. And Trump is of that mind and the Republicans overall are of that mind where it shouldn't be for the people. It should be for some people. And those people are white men. And so basically what Trump has tried to do and is trying to do is um, become president for life. And if he gets back in, the way the way fascists do it is they change the rules. Yeah. So that what what was once illegal is now legal. And um empowers them more. So should Trump get back, which he won't, he's not gonna he's not I have been saying for a couple of years now, the only thing Trump will be running from in 2024 is the long arm of the law. <laughs> and and that's and that's where this is going for him. I also, I also predict that everybody who is connected to this attempted coup, this failed coup, will be in prison. It's going to prison. Some for six months, some for six years. But everybody's going. Except maybe Trump. Wow. And and he may even go. You know, know, I don't know whether I'm being too just wishful thinking, but I can see his his being given some time also. Well, let's uh, break it down, get a little more specific through some of the uh, people who uh, have testified. Uh, we'll start uh, with yesterday's testimony from the uh, Speaker of the House in Arizona, Republican. Uh, his name is Rusty Bowers, uh, and a lifelong Republican, a supporter of Donald Trump. And uh, uh, he vo- voted for Donald Trump, presumably wanted Donald Trump to win. Uh, Donald Trump He, he said as much, yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, he endorsed Donald Trump uh, before twenty the November election. He endorsed him. I mean, this is the weird thing. Almost all these people who have come before Congress, all the Republicans, I should say, to testify against Donald Trump, Monroe, uh, have admitted that they supported him. Uh, and so uh, they're Trumpers until November. Uh, and in the case of Rusty Bowers, Donald Trump himself, I try to pressure him uh, into recognizing a special group of electors uh, that would be loyal to Donald Trump, throwing away the electors who were committed to uh, Biden because he was victorious in the state of uh, Arizona by about 10,000 or so votes, throwing them away and replacing with Trump robots and uh, who would vote for Trump. 
Uh, and uh, Bowers pressed him saying, well, what evidence uh, uh, do you have? And uh, Giuliani, who is Trump's right-hand guy, we'll ask you about him in a little while, Monroe, said, well, we have lots of theories, but uh, no evidence. Right. Uh, which is an astonishing uh, admission. Of course, he didn't say that publicly to the country. He said that behind the scenes to Bowers. And yet he still wanted Bowers to put his neck on the line, do something illegal, uh, even though there was no evidence to warrant it. Uh, and Bauer said he wouldn't do it. Um, general thoughts on Bauer's testimony, the significance of it, Monroe? Oh, it's, it was in, invaluable in that he was just one of many who have and will um, testify to Trump's total corruption. And his attempt. I mean, at this point, Trump can't even argue that um, he was a um, useful fool in, in this this coup attempt. He was he was plotting it. He was calling the shots, um, and it's it's coming from. It's not only coming from Bowers, although that was a very helpful. Uh, testimony that he did, but the Proud Boys and and um, the, the Proud Boys. What's that other right wing? Oh, the Oath Takers. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Oath. The their leadership has said that they were working with Trump on this. I mean, it's just and and the Republicans. Yeah. You have you have Republican congressmen and senators who were working on this coup. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And yeah, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, the Senator yeah. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the usual suspects. Um, metal, metals um, knew what was going on. Mark Meadows, the uh, chief of staff. Yeah. 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 He knew. I mean, it's just incredible that all, 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 all these people who claim to be so dedicated to the U.S. Constitution were willing to violate it for power, their yeah. power. So one of the um, uh, one of the more interesting uh, uh, testimonials yeah. of sort came from uh, Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump. Yeah, uh, and going to have you uh, help me make sense of this one. Okay, where she, uh, I mean, it looks like she wanted her cake and eat it too. Yeah, uh, and also that she wanted she 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 wanted to throw her daddy under the bus before she, she she got bus tracks on all on her back because <laughs> she knew he was about he'd throw her under the bus in half a minute exactly uh, and so so she testified that as soon as she heard Attorney General William Barr say that there was no merit to the accusations of fraud, uh, she knew it was time for Daddy to leave office. Okay, more or less, you said that. Meanwhile, uh, I don't know if you saw this one, Monroe. Uh, there are interviewers emerged that she gave with some documentary, and uh, and right around the same time, uh, Barr made his uh, conclusion that there's no evidence uh, to warrant. Uh, the accusations of theft. Uh, she was telling this documentarian that uh, my daddy's fighting the good fight uh, and we have to make sure we're speaking for the, I'm not making this up Monroe. She says, we're giving voice to the voiceless 
man, these Trumpers are, believe their own BS. We're giving a uh, voice to the voiceless and we're speaking up for people who no one listens to. Uh, we want to make sure uh, that they can have confidence in our democracy as they try to subvert democracy, Monroe. So I'm like, which one is it, Ivanka Trump? What you told that documentary filmmaker or what you told the January 6th congressional investigators? Monroe, which which one is it with her? Uh, when they talked about um, getting their country back, mm. they're talking about they wanted their country back to 1984. <laughs> and so they're very Orwellian. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, war is peace, etc. I mean, they they just they lie, they twist things, uh, and she does it, her daddy does it, her brothers do it, uh, and all the people that that love them dearly do it. Are and some many know that they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Barr, what's your take on uh, Barr? Uh, very loyal uh, attorney general to Donald Trump helped subvert um, the uh, the first impeachment effort against uh, Donald Trump. Uh, oh, good God. And, and, this, and yeah, right. Exactly. No, this the thing is with Barr is mm-hmm. that Barr is crooked and corrupt and um, with no 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 morals, but he does not like the idea of going to jail, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's where he draws the line. Yeah. He'll do anything but go to jail for you. And he's, the, um, what, where Trump was going with this coup was um, would would help bar. A push bar into the White House to prison by time. Yeah, and so uh, he, he 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 decided. Well, okay, it's time for me to get off this train. If you remember, it was a very abrupt ending to his term yes. in the Trump administration. It took everybody by surprise that they just fell out. Yeah. And that's because Trump was trying to get him to participate in this coup. Yeah. And he told him, no, 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 yeah. no. I know yeah. the law. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes pretend like I don't, but I know it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're saying that it's just a, a calculated decision on his part uh, to avoid uh, getting involved uh, in an operation that might throw him in jail as opposed to a principled stance. Oh, yeah, no, no, okay. no principle. <laughs> I just want to clarify. You know, because yeah. the thing is, he, he's, he, he, he still try, tries to defend Trump on some things. Oh, he he says he would vote for me. The last interview on the subject, right? He says he despises the radical left so much that he would uh, vote for Donald Trump again. Right. And I'm like, what radical left has ever tried uh, to use its power in Congress to uh, overthrow an election? I'm like, right. it's like, what exists in your mind? Uh, what kind of like? No, they all they all are saying that. 
they, 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 I mean, all of the Republicans, Pence is saying that. Yeah. No. It's, yeah, that's how you get. Yeah, that's how you get a lot. Uh, all right, let's broaden the, the conversation. Let's bring on a gentleman who's not ashamed to say that he's part of the radical left. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if he would say that. Uh, the great uh, radio man, podcaster, environmentalist, gardener, uh, Mike Novak. Mike, can you hear me okay? Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, you're coming in loud and clear, young man. Uh, um, and, I, and I will and I will warn you that at the moment uh, I'm almost home. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a, a, afraid to say it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm returning from the hospital, not for me, but uh, for my partner Kathleen. We uh, we were doing some some lovely chemo treatments this morning at Northwestern Hospital, and um, that stuff never takes uh, as short a time as you think it's going to take. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on uh, under this stressful time. Uh, Mike, when we first made the uh, uh, the uh, date to have you come on today, I thought we both thought that this would not be a chemo day. Uh, and uh, <laughs> But it, things change. So my uh, prayers and good vibrations, I'm sending them out right now to Kathleen. Uh, and... Um, you know, and and and, I, and the reason I mentioned it, because uh, I I I don't want um, anybody thinking, oh, poor guy, uh, poor Kathleen. Although you know, it's not fun. Um, but I go into the hospital and I see all those people there, uh, and in this case, uh, women. Um, but uh, we actually had to go into the uh, emergency room last week. Um, and I, I, when's the last time you you sat in an emergency room, uh, Monroe or uh, or Ben? The last time I was in one for any length of time was in two thousand no nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Uh, my, okay. My my wife uh, tripped over a runner in Menards. And broke her shoulder. Mm. Oh my goodness! Yeah, wow. and so I took her. And the thing that was amazing about being in an emergency room, this was a, I took her to what was in Lincoln Park Hospital. Okay. This, but the people who were there were bar people who had f- fallen drunk or something. Mm. I mean, that's what the emergency room was full of at that time. Yeah, which was interesting to me. Well, what was well, your experience, Mike? My experience was um, we got in there and uh, it was filled with people. This is Northwestern. Okay, it was 9 p.m. Um, and uh, in the room, the, the, the immediate room, there, there were probably, I don't know, 25 people. And, uh, but then what I realized later in an adjoining pavilion, uh, there were another 30 people probably. Um, and they're all sitting there and, and we were told when we came in that, uh, we would have to, our wait would be nine hours. Okay. And that changed because they, um, uh, because, um, they found out that Kathleen had cancer and they said, Oh, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll expedite that. And we got in pretty quickly, but 
what stunned me is that is you know we all watch or have seen uh, TV shows uh, about emergency rooms and that sort of thing. And then when you see one up close, even when they opened the big double doors and we went in and there were gurneys going across and and and, and uh, nurses and doctors, well, I went, holy smoke, it's like on TV. Yeah. Um, except that this was real humanity. Right. That these people are, are sitting there and some of them were going to wait nine hours yeah. to get in. And this was just like a Tuesday night. Uh, no, it was a Monday night. It was a Monday evening at 9 a.m. I'm trying to imagine what it's like on the weekend. And this is Northwestern, and it's not, uh, you know, I'm thinking of all the other hospitals across the city. What is that like? And I was just, I was struck and moved by the humanity of it. And um, I hadn't been in an emergency room, I don't know, maybe ever. Uh, I think I must have been at one point or another. But uh, I was just kind of stunned. Uh, And it made me realize that this happens every night. Yeah. Yeah, what were they in for? Do you know what they were? In? What, what were the other were pa- patients there for? Why they were there? No, I do not. A oh. uh, little bit of everything, but you found you saw people who could barely walk. You saw people who were bleeding. You saw people. You know, I I don't think there were any gunshots. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, in this particular case, um, but uh, lots of people in wheelchairs. Uh, which means that, you know, telling me that they had chronic conditions that they needed to treat. And, and as you know, many people use emergency rooms as their primary care. Yeah, because they can't afford. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I my heart went out to all of them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, holy smoke, um, I'm kind of blessed because I have a doctor. Uh, of course, I until Obamacare, I didn't actually ever have really good insurance. Um, and you know, and that, that was a revelation to me too. I mean, I, I was paying years and years and years of, of really crappy insurance that was not going to cover anything. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't know that, you know, but until, uh, um, Obamacare came along and we figured out, well, okay, well now I, I have real insurance. This is, this is pretty amazing. Well, Mike, I'm going to uh, go on. Not, what? I'm going to go all political on you right now. I have to say this. Uh, and, uh, the reality is, um, Barack Obama invested a good chunk of his first two years in office in getting that, uh, Obamacare. It was watered down from what most democratic oh, yeah. activists wanted. Uh, yeah. and, uh, democratic activists were told, uh, by the Obama uh, team that this is the best we can get. So, um, just join the board and later on down the road, will improve it. Well, what we, what happened was that immediately the Republican party with the offering nothing, nothing as an alternative, uh, try to destroy Obamacare. Monroe knows what I'm talking about. They, the Republicans dedicated the next approximately eight years of their existence as a party oh to destroying Obamacare. Ultimately during the Trump years, they were unable to do it. This country so twisted and weird elected Donald Trump even though he was pledging to destroy the one insurance program we had to guarantee people like you coverage. Uh, and at this point, the Republican Party still does not have a proposal for uh, adequate health care. And so there's madness in the land, uh, Mike. And you just <laughs> you wandered into that health and uh, that emergency room. And I thought many of the same things when I, I spent a lot of time in emergency rooms during my parents or last few years of life. 
and I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's yeah, the madness it, of our country right now. Where, it is. Yeah. It's utter well, madness. One party just completely ignores a very important problem and instead is trying to destroy democracy so that the other party is trying to hold up uh, the bare elements of democracy and absolutely nothing is being done for the crucial problems that face our country like the ones that you just were exposed to uh, on Monday night. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, 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 as you mentioned, the Republicans, what did they have 60 votes, uh, to, uh, defund uh, Obamacare and to, to kill it. And they were never successful. Um, and, uh, and this is not something that really anybody's talking about right now. This is not even in the top five of what's going on in the country. And yet there it is. If you happen to wander into an emergency room, and I know you didn't bring me on the show to talk about this, but you also said, we'll go where it goes. And that was, you know, you happen to catch me on the day when I'm dealing with the healthcare system. Um, And uh, the only reason that we're going to be okay is because of Medicare, which Republicans would love to take away along with social security. And the idea that this is, is considered a political party and not some bizarre cult um, is is absolutely stunning. I was listening to your conversation, um, and uh, and 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 what you were talking about at the Republican Party today. And you and I talked earlier about what's going on in Texas, which is insanity itself. Um, if if anybody had had uh, posited this twenty years ago, written a book about it, it would have been rejected as being too crazy. It's just too too far out there. Uh, and now this is our lives. This, yeah, is, this is our, this is our lives. country. Uh, um, yeah. All right. So let's get to Republicans in Texas. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I actually plowed through their 40 page platform that the Republican Party of Texas approved over the weekend uh, at a convention where the delegates loudly booed uh, Senator John Cornyn because they feel like he has betrayed their cause because he's even barely talking about a watered down diluted uh, gun safety measure. Monroe, this is utter insanity. Uh, the uh, platform they uh, passed uh, would outlaw criminalize abortion. Uh, it's the first step toward outlawing and criminalizing birth control. Uh, it would uh, outlaw gun uh, laws essentially allowing everybody to walk around fully armed uh i don't even know if you would have to uh, uh like take a test or uh do a background check or anything uh and um it says that joe biden uh was uh, is not the legally elected president so it uh, enshrines the lie of the democratic party uh monroe I believe that every Republican in this country uh, should be held accountable for this unless they're willing uh, to reject it categorically. I see Democrats uh, running away from defund the police measures all the time, including our own mayor here in the city of Chicago. So, like, I know it happens on the Democratic side. If there's something unpopular uh, that the left has is proposing, the the party as a whole will reject it. I don't see anything like this on the Republican side, Monroe. They double down. They double down. They double down. And they, what has to happen, what, what we have to do is mete out a little justice and, and um, 
and and make them responsible and pay for all the terrible things they're doing. And once once that starts to happen, there will be a change of heart. But they've been getting it? away with all these yeah. these, these terrible things. So, uh, Mike, I'll put this to you. Uh, do you think it's fair to hold a, de- a Republican in uh, Illinois accountable for uh, the platform of the party in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Why not? Why not? Because it's, it's the same party, right? It's mm-hmm. not it's not it's not called the Illinois Republican Party. No, it's the Republican Party. And, and if you, uh, unless your candidate, you know, if your candidate uh, or, or, or an elected official um, and you do not absolutely repudiate everything that's being done in Texas and, and you know, and the uh, subversion of our government, then you're part of it. Plain and simple. So a vote for a Republican is a vote, is an anti-democratic vote. And and I don't mean that in the, the sense of the Democratic Party. Yeah, you, you mean you mean small D, small D, exactly, Monroe. Uh, and yeah, I think this is the only way this works. And and Monroe, my my question to you though, as you say, in, until we make them pay, are you saying put them in jail, as might happen with some of the people in oh, the January sixth? Uh, not not might happen in January sixth. They're going to jail. They're going to prison. Each and every one of them. Just, just you heard it here first. But no, they, they, this has to be done. It's not. It's, it's no question. But of, it yeah, might not be. It, it might not be. I mean, uh, uh, yes, I know that Ehrlichman and Haldeman went to jail. Right. But but Nixon didn't. Nixon got to rebuild, rehabilitate himself. Right. 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 No, and, and Trump may not go to jail for that reason. Although I think he he probably will. And now that, but again, I don't know if that's my wishful thinking or <laughs> I'm maintaining my objectivity on this. But everybody else will be going to jail. Well, I sure hope so because, it, as you say, unless there is uh, a punishment, unless there's payment do for for their acts um we are we're not only in trouble we're done we're just right, you know, exactly no we are, we are we are we are germany 1933 yeah. <laughs> seriously well right. yeah we're already uh, with the texas uh republicans uh, outlawing uh homosexuality and, and any lgbtq person is uh, a non-person um and uh, and it goes from there. Yeah. All right. So let's t- try to distinguish from a moment for a moment the positions of uh, MAGA on uh, the January 6th insurrection and the uh, November 2020 election from the policies uh, endorsed by the Republicans in Texas. It scares me on two fronts right now. Let's just deal with the insurrection. As far as I can tell, there are only two Republicans in the United States of America, elected official Republicans, who openly, clearly, consistently denounce the attempted coup. 
and that would be Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. That's it. If you guys can think of any others that have done so consistently and clearly, I'm not talking about mumbling stuff like Joe Biden is our president, like which doesn't with <laughs> the biggest weasel statement in the world. Yes, he is our president. Uh, it's a way of avoiding the issue. So that's pretty frightening in and of itself. The other frightening part is the platform of the Republican Party. So, like, I don't know if Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, what, if they agree with the Republican platforms about gays uh, and trans and uh, guns and abortion. Do you follow what I'm saying? I don't know. Like, all these people that say Trump, like the, the gentleman out of Arizona, were endorsing Trump. Yeah. Mike, they endorsed Trump. These are Trump's positions. So, I, I go one step further. I believe all Republican candidates in the, uh, in the country should be forced to at least uh, state their position on the issues outside of the insurrection that well, who's, who's the Republicans that, in Texas would I mean, go. The fourth estate is responsible for that, don't you think? I mean, you get you, it's not you're, they're not going to do it themselves. They're not going to volunteer any of this information. And so uh, they have to be held accountable by the one institution that's that's mentioned in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, and if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Yeah. You mean you're t- at the force of state being uh, reporters? It's yes. On our. <laughs> it's on us. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mike, do you yeah. know how hard it is to get, just somebody to tell you right now, as a guy who's been writing about Chicago politics since 1981, do you know how hard and difficult it is to get the public to understand a municipal scandal and scam, much less care about it? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a lot of pressure on a reporter, but I hear I get your point. Well, you know, I, I if you're you and probably Monroe are, are two of the people who, who watch news programs and uh, scream at the TV set. I do um, when uh, the right question is not asked um, or a softball question is asked uh, or uh, there's no follow up. Uh, thank you, Chuck Todd. And um, and. We have to have better people and we have to, you know, look at the, okay, the latest is CNN refuses to call the big lie, the big lie, because they think they are above the fray. I don't know exactly. Or editorializing. They they think they're editorializing if they do that. Well, what do you think about that, Monroe? Uh, Donald Trump lies all the time. Right. uh, so why I'm trying to think of if, if the man is a liar, he lies all the time. If he lies all the time, he's a liar. Right. So how is that editorializing to, to call a liar a liar? I, isn't that like uh, what they complain about with cancel culture? Like you can't say something that is obviously true for fear of offending someone. So you don't say it. It just seems sounds like a bunch of snowflakes who are afraid of criticism. Monroe, your response. Right. Um- CNN is a snowflakey station. It's a network as far as I'm concerned. This is why MSNBC is where I hang out. Because they, yeah, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell was calling Trump a liar three <laughs> years ago. He was the first. Yeah. To say, the man is a liar. 
<laughs> and we refer to him as the liar. Now, uh, yeah. MSNPC on any given story will will talk about um, the big lie. Sometimes they call it a big lie. Sometimes they will say when they're being polite, they will say uh, the um, the dispute not not disputed um, the 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 false claim. Yeah. That Biden lost. Oh my God! All right. As so, if, as, if, as if you have to explain it to people, as if you have to say, well, in case you haven't been paying attention, right. uh, Donald Trump did not actually recognize the results, and and a bunch of Republicans, in fact, most Republicans did not. Re- you know, you can't say that. So it's shorthand to just say the big lie. Okay. All right. So let me uh, put it right to the two of you. Uh, we'll start with Mike and then Monroe, you respond. So Monroe, you're going to have time to think of your answer in this one, because I'm going to directly put this at you guys. Uh, <laughs> each each of my distinguished guests have worked uh, for uh, the Tribune at one time or another. Uh, Mike Novak, legendary uh, producer, engineer at WGN Radio for many years. Uh, and Monroe Anderson actually toiled for the Chicago Tribune. God help him. Uh, I have always been a lefty on the outside screaming, screaming at the coverage uh, in the Tribune on WGN. Uh, Mike, I know I told you this story many times when I was a kid. Uh, at a, I worked at an ice cream factory uh, and the older man who was our supervisor loved WGN. And so <laughs> every day in the summer, I was subjected to Roy Leonard and the whole gang. You're and Wally Phillips and the whole WGN worldview. All right. And <laughs> I, I was a teenage lefty. OK, I was a, a McGovern Democrat. Uh, and I thought it was so skewed then. And the Tribune newspaper was even more skewed. To me, it was just propaganda for daily and uh, corporate America. So. I've heard a lot of people upon reflection. I've heard Howard Stern say this. I've heard David Letterman say this, that they feel as though they personally enabled Donald Trump to uh, reach the White House by giving him access to the public on their shows all the time. I'm not holding either one of you accountable. You are way, way lower on the uh, totem poles. (laughs) But upon reflection, do do you think that mainstream Chicago failed its listeners and readers uh, by what saying there's two sides to every story when one side is clearly lying. You know what I mean? Your thoughts, Mike Novak. Well, in terms of Donald Trump, absolutely. Um, You know, and it it, it can go back uh, forever uh, beyond that. Uh, But, you know, in Chicago, not any worse than the rest of the country. Um, the Chicago Tribune, for example, or WGN was was they were in lockstep with what everybody else was doing in 2015, which is to say that Donald Trump was a novelty at that point. There was no way he was going to win. This is going to be fun. We're going to cover this because people want to see Donald Trump. Um, they want to see him fly too close to the sun and watch the wings melt. Um and uh, unfortunately, it didn't, thanks to uh, his his buddy uh, Putin and and others, uh, and also uh, an electorate that has been browbeaten 
And GN is not the worst at this. There's been a lot worse uh, in terms of our media, meaning that either of you, if you drive across the country and try to find an AM station that doesn't have right-wing commentary on it, um, 90% of talk radio is right wing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was at, oh my God. All right. You speaking of Wally Phillips, I was invited to the, um, radio hall of fame dinner where Wally Phillips was inducted. Um, do you know who was also inducted that day? My guess is Rush Limbaugh. Bingo. It was Rush Limbaugh. At the time, I didn't even know who he was. This is the early 90s. Um, And uh, I I had no idea who the guy was, frankly, because I I didn't listen to that stuff. My dad did. He would go into the bedroom. He'd lie on the bed and he'd uh, have uh, he'd be uh, become a ditto head for uh, (laughs) for several hours. And it's like I didn't recognize my father. Yeah. Um, And uh, and so uh, people like to scream at Fox News, and as well they should, because they're, they are a clear and present danger to our country. Um, but you guys also look at the, the totality of it, and that's the right-wing stations and the, and, and, and the uh, disillusion of the, the fairness doctrine uh, and what resulted from that, which is the, the right-wing sentiment across the country in small towns everywhere. Why do you think people in small towns uh, are not Democrats? I mean, you know, and, and a lot of the blame is put on the Democrats themselves. Say, you're not paying attention to those people's issues. Well, they're brainwashed every day, too. Right. And in, in fact, if, if Fox existed in 1972, Nixon would have gotten two full terms. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 74. He never would have been. I mean, 74. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Monroe, your thoughts about the Tribune's role in all this. We, uh, you were in the belly of the beast for many years. Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> yes I was. <laughs> when Harold Washington was elected mayor, the Tribune looked like a funeral was being <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Unbelievable. And, and the, few of, the few of us who were not white at the oh, tribute would, would walk around trying to not look too happy. And then we would go into Leonido McLean's office or someplace and jump up and down and share yeah. joy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the way it was. Yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah. And guys, they fed us. I'm telling you right now, the people in the city of Chicago have been fed so much BS over the years by the Tribune. The, the Daily Years, the Washington Years, they flipped the switch. The different kind of coverage for Daily Richard M. Daily than for Harold right, Washington. And, and GN. And G- well, like, GN was, to me, it's just so mainstream America. This is back in the day. It's yeah, changing yeah. now. Mike Novak could probably give a whole lecture on how mainstream GN has changed. But Mike well, was yeah. just feeding you mainstream they like had this fear that they might alienate somebody in Naperville or Glen Allen or whatever. So let's stray away anything controversial. Uh, The the day after Harold was elected, 
because I I had been covering it and had predicted that the next mayor of Chicago was going to be black, et cetera. I was on various TV uh, radio programs as a Tribune reporter. And I, I, I think it, it was either GN or WLS. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I was on one of the white stations. And these people were calling in, and they could not believe that Harold had won. Yeah. I mean, they were just incredulous. And they were saying, we must have cheated or something, you know. And, and my response was, I, I'm really sorry that uh, you weren't prepared for this reality that, that was going to happen. Well, yeah, because obviously everybody wanted Bernie Epson to be mayor. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. Bernie. Right, uh, exactly. Bernie I mean, that, that that itself is absurd. Right. Uh, the, you know, the Bernie Epson became the great white hope, and nobody had ever heard of the guy, and nobody knows who he is now. Yeah, well, actually, I uh, Bernie Epson. Uh, yeah, and, um, oh, my God, let's leave poor Bernie alone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is pathetic. Uh, Mike, your point is very well taken. Uh, the, the joke was... Uh, to find somebody who would admit four years afterwards that he or she voted for Bernie Epton. Close to 50% of the city voted for him. He was a Republican. I know my younger listeners uh, don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, yeah. And it just, it was an early indication in my mind, Monroe and Mike of uh, Trump and Trumpism. Uh, And uh, to me, the, uh, the revolt and the white uh, precincts of Chicago against Harold Washington in 1983 was sort of, Mike, uh, what a uh, precursor to Donald Trump in 2016 in so many ways. Uh, well, yeah. you know, uh, Ben, in that regard, it it means nothing's changed basically in what 300 years in yeah. in America. Yeah, come on, anytime, uh, and, and Monroe, you know this better than I do. Anytime um, there is progress made, whether it happens among minorities. Uh, or women, um, or or any group uh, that has been on the receiving end of the stick, there's backlash. Mm. The backlash comes, and it comes fierce, and we're in the middle of the backlash right now, and it's being directed at blacks and women. I mean, we're good. The women are going to lose the right uh, to control their own bodies uh, probably in a couple of days, maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe today. Um, and... Uh, um, and and the very foundation of our, our of our country is uh, is is under attack. Um, this is this is this is the way America works. It's there's progress made, and then there's terrible setback, and then we have to rebuild and move a step forward. So I don't know if it's one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, one step back. I think it's the latter. I would like to say it's the latter, but the latest incarnation of all of this backlash is the scariest I've seen in my lifetime. Absolutely. It is. And it gets to what Monroe was saying. Uh, Back in 1974, there was more or less consensus in America that Richard Nixon had gone too far, uh, that a president of the United States, uh, it's not acceptable for him to have henchmen, uh, breaking into the offices of his opponents, stealing materials to try to use it against them in the coming election. By the way, stuff looks pet. This is small potatoes compared to what Donald Trump did. Yeah, no, uh, it, it was a third-rate burglary. 
It was a third rate to what Trump did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I said 72 uh, intentionally about um, Fox being around because it would have taken a couple of years to prepare um, the Republicans and, and, and Americans that it was okay for um, Nixon to do what Nixon did. Yeah. That it was no big deal. I, uh, I could, gentlemen, I could go on and on about Watergate. It's a peculiar, particular obsession of mine. Uh, I think about it. I write about it. I read about it. There's a new movie. I watch all the movies about it. Uh, there's a new movie about to come out called 18 and a half minutes. Uh, I'm w- eagerly waiting for it. It's like a twist on the Watergate, the missing 18 and a half minutes of the tape uh, that uh, Rosemary Woods uh, erased. Uh, so this is a peculiar, particular obsession of mine. I'm not quite sure at this point in the interview, I want to go down this road, uh, but it is 50 years later. Uh, I have two gentlemen of my generation who are old enough to live through, uh, Watergate. And, uh, so I guess I just shouldn't let the moment pass and I should indulge myself here with some Watergate talk, uh, probably which will come. Mike, uh, eat up the time. We were going to talk about the environment, so we're just going to have to bring you back to have a whole special thing on well, the environment. Well, we've got, to, we've got to talk a little bit about, about the environment. I know there's the 50th anniversary, and actually I've been doing some reading on it and uh, uh, saw an article the other day. It was kind of fascinating about how uh, the – I forget – uh, they were talking about Mark Felt, who was Deep Throat. Yeah. And how – uh, there were people who knew who he was. Nixon knew who Deep Throat was immediately. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote that article that you read. And, oh, uh, that was it you? Okay, yeah. that's good, because I've been reading your stuff. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. <laughs> no, I, okay, folks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Now, sorry, thank you. But see, I'm paying attention. Yes, you are paying attention. Go ahead. I cut you, but go it was, ahead. It yeah. was the most memorable column he's ever read. <laughs> It was great. It was great. I mean, I just thought, wow, I didn't know that. And uh, so good job there, Ben. Thank you. So, all right, let me just share this. Uh, This one, Monroe, I just sometimes I can't believe the stuff I've lived through. All right. So follow me, folks. Uh, In the Nixon sent his henchmen in to burglarize uh, the uh, Democratic National Committee, steal away files that he could use against the Democrats in the upcoming 1972 presidential election. His henchmen were caught uh, in the midst of the burglary uh, and. uh, the Washington Post assigned uh, two eager, young, ambitious reporters, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, uh, to investigate, and they went at it. One thing led to another, and they soon figured out that there was conspiracy uh, being led by the president and his top aides to cover up uh, their their uh, connection uh, to the burglary at the Watergate. And one thing led to another, and those articles led to congressional investigations, congressional hearings, and eventually an impeachment movement, and Nixon had to resign. Okay? So that took place over the course of roughly two years and several months, from 1972, June 1972, when the break-in uh, occurred, and the men were arrested, to August and 1974. Nixon was very popular. Very popular. He won the presidential election with in a landslide, Monroe, the greatest landslide. States. He won yes. 49 states. So uh, in the course of their investigation, uh, Woodward and Bernstein were abetted by a mysterious shadowy figure that they nicknamed Deep Throat. They would not reveal his identity. Uh, he was a top 
official somewhere in Washington who had access to secret documents, things that the public did not know. Uh, he sort of steered Woodward and Bernstein into uh, certain aspects. You know, you go look at follow the money was the famous advice, which he really actually didn't say it was in the movie. All the president's men. Uh, and so Deep Throat became sort of this legendary figure. Uh, Mike Novak of like uh, a a government official, much like that gentleman in Arizona who felt that he could not throw away his oath to the Constitution for Donald Trump. So Deep Throat was presented as this kind of uh, legendary figure who just had a commitment to democracy. Well, 30 years passed or so, and it was revealed that Deep Throat was Mark Felt, the number two man at the FBI, uh, protege of J. Edgar Hoover, uh, and that in reality what he was doing was not defending the Constitution from Richard Nixon, but he was upset that Richard Nixon did not make him the FBI chief when J. Edgar Hoover died, so he was using Woodward and Bernstein to embarrass Nixon in the hopes that Nixon would appoint him uh, to replace to be the director of the FBI. Mike Novak, when I read this and figured this out, I realized I I was not that much. I was like a distant cousin of MAGA. I believed in a myth, a fraud, the way MAGA <laughs> believes in Trump. Do you follow me, Mike Novak? I yeah. Like, I believed that but this was a sacred thing. Go, Mike. There, well, there's some, but there's so many myths in life. And um, marketing has uh, damaged us in, in so many ways uh, that it's, again, why we need uh, our, our, our fourth estate to be digging into these stories, even if, it, even if you don't realize it until 30 years later. And didn't you write a column about this? It was brilliant. I got to tell you, Ben. It was... Uh, Thank but, you. Uh, no, uh, w- w- there's so many things. Uh, you know, you, you alluded to horticulture earlier in environment. Um the in and part of the thing uh, there was an article recently in the tribune and it makes me wonder is who's who's still coming up because they're owned by a hedge fund now who's coming up with the uh, the stories who's the, who are the editors that are that are fighting that um but the article about where trees are being planted in in chicago um and they're not in the poor neighborhoods they're in the rich neighborhoods uh and what and some people don't even want trees and one of the reasons is a myth the myth that a tree, when you plant it, its roots will, will break into your pipes, your water pipes, and cause problems. The truth of the matter is tree roots do not break into water pipes like the, the burglars did at the Watergate. Um, they uh, actually are uh, opportunists. If there is already a crack, yes, they will take advantage because tree roots are seeking water. But the idea that if you plant a tree, you're automatically going to have your, your pipes compromised is a myth. And it's one of the reasons we don't have enough trees. And if we don't have enough trees, we don't have enough shade. It doesn't mitigate the heat island effect. And all kinds of environmental problems are caused by that in the city and, and especially to people in poorer neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that was a great uh, riff. Appreciate that, Mike. Uh, Monroe, I don't know if you saw that story front page news in the Chicago Tribune. There's a, uh, Mike, I always say this there's a, a new generation of journalists uh, in Chicago that I have tremendous respect for. They're millennials. I, I believe they're a lot, how do I put this? They, they're not as cynical and jaded yet. I hope they don't get there uh, as my generation. My generation became so cynical and so jaded and, um, just believed or didn't care 
about all the BS that uh, was being fed to them and then just started feeding it to the public themselves, which is why Mayor Daly was unbeatable in this town to a large degree. So uh, that I give hats off to the younger generation of journalists in that particular story. Well, yeah, that are that are and also hanging on to and, and keeping some uh, of these great institutions alive. I mean, it's interesting that uh, the Sun-Times, uh, the bright one, has gone uh, uh, not-for-profit. Yeah. And uh, the reader is hanging on. Um, but I'm curious. I have a question for the two of you, uh, which is, do you guys read some of these daily uh, reports that come out? Some of them are aggregators like, uh, 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 what is it, Chicago um, ah, uh, Public Square, Chicago Public Square. Um, and then there's uh, Axios is doing their daily report uh, in Chicago. And there's uh, Black Club. Um, I'm wondering what you guys think of that new form of journalism, uh, the online form of journalism, because I find it quite useful. Yeah. Well, let me just do a little promotion here. Uh, the, uh, the publisher of Public Square, young Charlie Meyerson, was just a guest on this show. I urge everybody to listen to that interview. Uh, I interviewed young Charlie Meyerson. I believe I actually sang at the end of that interview. Uh, Mike Miller. <laughs> uh, and uh, 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 Charlie Meyerson. So, yeah, I'm a big reader of uh, I love Black Club. Black Club is like the old um, learner newspaper from back when I first moved to Chicago, learner neighborhood news. Uh, they, they covered every neighborhood of the city. So Black Club does that now on the Internet. So I think it's invaluable. Uh, and, um, yeah, I read, uh, Charlie Meyerson's public square, uh, every day and, uh, it's very helpful. It's, um, there's just a barrage of news on the world. And Monroe is my, uh, he, through Monroe, I learned what MSNBC is covering. So between Charlie Meyerson, uh, telling me what is in the Washington post and Monroe telling me what's on my MSNBC, I got it covered. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and you've been a, a true New York time or <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm always sending Monroe clips from the New York Times <laughs> in the mail in the U.S. Yeah, no, no <laughs> in the old days, I would do that, man. I clip the article, you know, and even now, Mike Novak, I'll take a picture of an article and send it as a text. Like millennials was like, what is what planet well, is this guy from? <laughs> if, if you said it to me, Ben, what I'm going to say is you got a link. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. Well, Mr. <laughs> Mr. I'm uh, on top of things, Mike Novak. Oh, listen, let me tell you about technology. Okay. Cause I've been doing, I, I, I started in radio, the radio guy for like 40 years. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and various stations, as I always say, I started, you know, uh, on the air at GN, uh, with what was then a gardening show, it morphed into more of an environmental show, which is why I had to leave WGN. You talk about being conservative. Um, I did a show once. I interviewed a guy, you know, from probably like the Field Museum or something like that about frogs. And uh, after the show, I got pulled aside by uh, the assistant program director who, who said, hey, hey, Mike, um, what do frogs have to do with gardening? And... Um, and I realized, okay, maybe this is not a really good fit anymore. Um, and so I moved on to the progressive station um, and was, was there for six and a half years. Yeah, and, the progressive and, station. <laughs> Progresso Radio, which yeah. you know of because you were a part of Progresso Radio. I say like the soup, Progresso. Yeah. Um, and uh, they sued me. So that was good. And uh, so I left them. 
and went to a station in Evanston uh, where they were really nice to me. Um, uh, but they their claim to fame was they had um, a, they were Korean broadcasting for six hours in the morning every week, uh, and then went to English. Uh, so that's not a way, you know, <laughs> the morning drive was uh, in Korea. So um, that was not a really good way to, to grab listeners. Uh, and then I went to uh, the inner tubes and decided, okay, I'll do this on the inner tubes. Um, and um, uh, so then I had to learn all this technology, which I, I mean, I knew the audio technology, but I didn't know the streaming technology. And you're learning that yourself and all the marketing stuff that comes with it, which is will keep you awake at night. Am I, yeah. am I wrong, Ben? Well, no, I, my, that's a whole, me and marketing is, uh, I'm the worst at it and the don't do it. And I got issues in that. And if you want to be my therapist, you can help me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the pretty much, uh, the young millennials who helped me with the show, uh, Dennis, uh, and DJ Nate do all the, um, the internet stuff. So uh, I, I, I have a lot of issues. Uh, I, we, we've, we've pretty much run out of time. We have to, uh, end the show for today. Uh, but Monroe, I just want to make one clarification, correction on something you said. Uh, you said Lawrence O'Donnell was the first person uh, on MSNBC, uh, I guess, to call Donald Trump a liar. Uh, you, Monroe Anderson, uh, beat Lawrence O'Donnell. I just want to let you know that you've been calling Donald Trump a liar <laughs> on microphone for the pretty much the moment he was sworn in. Uh, as yeah, uh, true, but only 15 people heard me. So well, whatever. <laughs> but first you know, is because, first. That's because uh, Ben's so bad at marketing. That's why only 15 people heard you. <laughs> that's correct. It all no, comes he, together. He, 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 he was on Progresso at the time. Yes, I was on Progresso. Oh, okay, on Progresso. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they always say, could you uh, have your friend Monroe tone it down a little bit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just a little too progressive right, exactly. uh, for progressive we, radio. We, we, we like progressive, progressive ish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Progressive. progressive ish. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, Mike Novak. Thank you very much. Next time you're on, I promise we'll talk more environmental, but I well, knew I, I had a feeling we were going to, to quote the Beatles, go down this path and the Lord knows where we go. And, uh, it's a well, fun well, when, when, when we come out and, and just as a preview, because we really need to talk about these things, we need to talk about the 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 uh, what's going on in Lake Michigan. That study that just came out that said that there's an opportunities all up and down, not just Chicago, all up and down the Lake Michigan for pollution. If climate change uh, rears its ugly head, which it is already doing with the, and, and messing with the, the water levels in Lake Michigan, but especially in Chicago on the southeast side, uh, you know. Uh, how nasty it is over there, and we need to talk about why there's still no Department of the Environment in the city of Chicago. We, and somebody promised us that three years ago. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Um, but, you know, it might happen now because I there's a rumor that there's an election coming up next yes. year. Uh, yes, there is. That is true. That rumor is true. There is an election coming up uh, next year, uh, and that's why, ladies and gentlemen, the city of Chicago, uh, you will magically see uh people repairing the potholes uh that have afflicted your streets for the last three years that's how it works in chicago monroe potholes get filled in generally in the summer before 
uh, the uh, mayoral election. At least that's how it happened under Rahm. So we'll see if uh, Mayor Lord, like, maybe she'll just say, Monroe, I'm not filling any potholes. What the hell, you know? Uh, well, yeah, she she might do that and then just, you know, yell at somebody who uh, who, who takes her to task on that. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's the new style, I guess. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Mike Novak. Uh, thank you, Monroe Anderson, uh, every Wednesday on the Ben Jarowski Show. And I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And Mike Novak and Monroe will tell you back home and all. They call him Dr. D, and the D stands for the marvelous. Keep yourself raised, take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>